Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Friday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. I have talked a lot about Saudi Arabia and the petrodollar on this show over the course of the last seven to 10 months. Specifically, I've spent an inordinate amount of time slamming Joe Biden for campaigning on the idea of turning Mohammed bin Salman into a pariah over the death of Jamal Khashoggi. While it sucks that the man was killed and dismembered and highly probable that bin Salman ordered his death, I cannot imagine how many deaths have been ordered at the hand of the United States government, so we're a bit pot-calling-the-kettle black on that one. But more importantly, that type of language is not something that you let fly as a campaign platform when you're pretty dependent on said nation. Why am I talking about Saudi Arabia, you ask? Well, their finance minister, Mohammed al-Jadan, said on Tuesday that his government is willing to consider alternatives to the U.S. dollar for international trade. Saudi Arabia's currency has been tied to the dollar since 1986. The link was forged after the Arab-Israeli war and the OPEC oil embargo against the United States in the early 1970s. The process of reconciliation between the Saudis and the U.S., included a deal for the Saudis to invest their oil profits with the U.S. Treasury and to price their oil in U.S. dollars on the international market. Do you see where I'm going with this? This created the mighty petrodollar, from which both the Saudi and American economies drew great benefits. The Saudi Rial formally married the U.S. dollar in 1986, completing a financial fusion that provided much-desired stability to the rather volatile Saudi economy of that time. Decoupling the rial from the dollar would be a major change for both countries and for the global oil market. Analysts have long considered such a change potentially cataclysmic, but unlikely, especially while the Saudis are embarked on Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's Saudi Vision 2030 which is an ambitious reform agenda to diversify their economy away from petroleum. Al-Jadan said at the World Economic Forum in Davos that Saudi Arabia is open to considering other currencies. Quote, there are no issues with discussing how we settle our trade arrangements, whether it's in the U.S. dollar, whether it is the euro, whether it is the Saudi rial. I don't think We are waving away or ruling out any discussion that will help improve the trade around the world. Al-Jadan said the Saudis wish to develop economic flexibility so they can build stronger economic relationships with other partners, specifically mentioning China, an eager customer for all manner of fossil fuels. We enjoy a very strategic relationship with China, and we enjoy that same strategic relationship with other nations, including the U.S. We want to develop that with Europe and other countries who are willing and able to work with us, he said. The Saudi finance minister added that working with other currencies would make it easier for Saudi Arabia to participate 
and multinational programs to shore up vulnerable economies, particularly Pakistan. Chinese dictator Xi Jinping told a summit of Gulf Arab leaders in Riyadh in December that Beijing wants to buy oil and gas with Yuan. Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman held two summits with Xi during his trip, during which the two signed several partnership agreements. Last month, Saudi Arabia signed a deal with China's telecom giant Huawei, I I never know how to say that, for cloud computing services, despite the U.S. warning them that that equipment poses security risks. Biden took a trip to the Middle East, and it was a sight to behold. He looked like the cat in the hat on the ball with the fish and the bowl on the umbrella. Yes, Iranian mullahs who fund all the terrorist organizations in the Middle East. I want to work out a nuclear deal with you. No, Yemen, I don't see you over there. It's like you don't even exist to me. Hi, Saudi Arabia. I'm crawling to you on my knees because we convinced our little merry band of globalists to cut off Russian oil purchases, but I really need you to be a team player and pump out more oil, okay? I'm just a mom in Indiana. What do I know? I will say, though, I reached out to a friend who is very in the know on this particular subject, given what he does for a living, and upon my asking when we could expect to see the petrodollar collapse, his response was, my best guess is 18 months. A team of researchers have come up with a machine learning assisted way to detect the position of shapes, including the poses of humans, to an astonishing degree, using only Wi-Fi signals. In a yet-to-be-peer-reviewed paper, researchers at Carnegie Mellon University came up with a deep learning method of mapping the position of multiple human subjects by analyzing the phase and amplitude of Wi-Fi signals and processing them using computer vision algorithms. The results of the study reveal that the model can estimate the dense pose of multiple subjects with comparable performance to image-based approaches by utilizing only Wi-Fi signals as the input. The team concluded in their paper, and the results are astonishing, Images appended to the preprint show the poses of various human subjects in astonishing detail and in a variety of poses. The researchers suggest that Wi-Fi could serve as a much more affordable and already ubiquitous way to keep track of the exact location of people compared to more traditional camera and LiDAR systems. In fact, most households in developed countries already have Wi-Fi at home, and this technology may be scaled to monitor the well-being of elderly people or just identify suspicious behaviors at home, the paper reads. Psh. I just got internet in my house for the first time in 10 years because most rural families do not, in fact, have Wi-Fi at home. But here's my concern with this. We're talking about full body mapping solely based off of Wi-Fi signals. And... When you have a situation where the government is looking to impose upon you, I I just feel like we're just chipping away at any sort of privacy. It's just ridiculous. Um, It's not the first time that scientists have attempted to see through walls using Wi-Fi signals. In 2018, researchers from MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory 
came up with a way to analyze radio signals, which bounce off of people's bodies to determine their position in the form of moving stick figures. This latest technology builds on that research, potentially leading to an affordable way of tracking the exact whereabouts of more than just one individual and with greater fidelity. But like, you know that saying we can, but should we? Like, we have enough intrusion, right? At some point, we're going to end up in the dystopian Ready Player One meets Mad Max and has a baby named iRobot real soon, if we aren't real careful. In one of two articles today where I agree with Democrats, Senator Ron Wyden called the DOJ Inspector General to investigate federal law enforcement agencies' use of a nonprofit database that has amassed millions of records on money transfers between the U.S. and more than 20 countries. In an arrangement that the senator described as, quote, bulk surveillance program, an Arizona-based nonprofit called the Transaction Record Analysis Center, or TRAC, has provided federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies with unrestricted access to mass amounts of data on Americans' money transfers. Wyden requested in a letter to the DOJ Inspector General on Wednesday that it investigate TRAC's relationship with the FBI and the DEA. This follows the senator's request in March that the Department of Homeland Security Inspector General look into the use of that same database by the agency's law enforcement arm, Homeland Security Investigations. While you're at it, Ron, could you please just go ahead and look into all NGO relationships with the USG? Uh, He said, my oversight activity over the past year have uncovered troubling, I cannot talk, have uncovered troubling information revealing that the scale of this government surveillance program is far greater than what was previously reported. Wyden's investigation had previously focused solely on HSI's use of custom summons, a form of administrative subpoena to obtain records of money transfers over $500 between several states in the southwestern United States and Mexico. However, Wyden's latest request revealed that several money transfer companies had sent bulk customer data to track for both domestic and foreign transfers, including those between people in the United States and 22 foreign countries and one territory. These companies sent the records in response to, quote, legal requests from the various law enforcement agencies. TRAC had accumulated about 145 million records from 28 different companies as of 2021, and more than 700 law enforcement entities had access to the database as of May, according to a report from the American Civil Liberties Union, also released on Wednesday. This unorthodox arrangement between state law enforcement, DHS, and DOJ agencies to collect bulk money transfer data raises a number of concerns about surveillance disproportionately affecting low-income, minority, and immigrant communities, Wyden said. Or how about just Americans? How about we just say that this surveillance disproportionately affects Americans? Law enforcement agencies have ample authority to subpoena financial information about an individual or specific transactions that they believe are related to illicit activity, he said in his letter. Instead of squandering resources collecting millions of transactions through this bulk surveillance program, 
the government should focus its resources on individuals actually suspected of breaking the law, he added. Because that's how it's supposed to work. You don't get a warrant, you don't get the information unless you suspect the individual of of committing a crime. Uh, They're just trying to find the crime. They don't even know where it's at. Um, Here, here, Senator Wyden, like, well done, sir. Uh, Perhaps, and I know this is going to sound just absolutely crazy, but maybe, just maybe, we uh, go repeal the monstrosity of government overreach and usurpation of individual liberty that is the Patriot Act that you all thought was a great idea. Just hand it to Elon and send it to the moon. We don't consent, and we never did. The U.S. hit its debt limit yesterday. No one, I mean literally no one, saw this coming. We have been so fiscally responsible and meticulous about how we spent our money in 2022. For example, we paid $210 million for basic education projects in Jordan, the country. $168 million helping illegal immigrants avoid deportation. Here, I know you're here. You're not supposed to be. We'll help you stay here. $2.5 million in Super Bowl commercials telling you to fill out the census. $2.3 million to inject six-month-old beagle puppies with cocaine. $2.1 million to encourage Ethiopians to wear shoes. What are you, savages? $1.1 million to train mice to binge drink alcohol. Not gonna lie, probably would have liked to see that one. Still don't think we should have spent $1.1 million to do it. That's a lot of booze to to get some mice drunk. Uh, $675,000 on the social life and collective intelligence of ants. Seriously. $519,000 to use mice to study racial aggression. $200,000 on a radio campaign telling drivers to stop at railroad crossings. $187,500 verifying that kids love their pets. And my personal favorite, $118,900 researching whether or not Thanos could snap his fingers while wearing the Infinity Gauntlet. That one was funded by the National Science Foundation. This is now forcing the Treasury Department to begin deploying a series of emergency moves so that the government can continue to pay its bills and endangering the already fragile U.S. economy. In a letter to Congress, Janet Yellen, who is the Treasury Secretary, said the department will start using so-called extraordinary measures to prevent the United States from defaulting on its obligation. But she warned that the moves are subject to considerable uncertainty when calculating how long they could keep the government afloat. The period of time that extraordinary measures may last is subject to considerable uncertainty, including the challenges of forecasting the payments and receipts of the U.S. government months into the future, Yellen wrote. I respectfully urge Congress to act promptly to protect the full faith and credit of the United States. The debt ceiling, which is currently around $31.4 trillion, is the legal limit on the total amount of debt that the federal government can borrow on behalf of the public 
including Social Security and Medicare benefits, military salaries, and tax refunds. The White House urged Congress to raise the debt ceiling without condition. Failure to do so could be catastrophic, according to experts who warn it could send the economy into a downturn. Psst, newsflash, we're already in a downturn. Without a debt limit increase, suspension, or removal, we believe Treasury would look to prioritize debt payments leading to delays in some other payments. Yeah, because who's going to get the mice drunk if you're paying your debts? Like, come on now. (laughs) Gregory Daco, who's the chief economist at EY Parthenon, said still in doing so, Treasury would need to balance the federal budget by ensuring that government outlays are equal to government revenues. This would mean an instantaneous cut to GDP worth around 4.5 to 5%, leading to a self-inflicted recession and risking severe financial market dislocations. Honestly, imagine being this incompetent with money and still referring to yourself as an expert. The growing uncertainty over the debt limit comes after Republicans reclaim the House majority, bringing an end to the one-party control enjoyed by the Democrats, a.k.a. unfettered spending, over the past two years and threatening to revive a game of brinkmanship over raising or suspending the debt limit. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who won the gavel after 15 rounds of voting by making compromises with some of the party's most conservative members, has indicated that Republicans could push for spending cuts to the federal budget before helping to raise the debt ceiling. Oh, good. Please start with the ATF and FBI, and then I'd like for you to cut congressional staff completely. You have to do your own job now, not 20-something-year-old interns. And next, all those lawyers you have writing the legislation with the lobbying firms behind closed doors, sorry, we're not going to be able to afford to pay them either to run our country anymore. So I guess you're going to have to do that yourselves too. And then you can move on to the CIA and DHS. I think you catch my drift. If the U.S. failed to raise or suspend the debt limit, it would eventually have to temporarily default on some of its obligations, which could have serious negative economic implications. Interest rates would likely spike. Not like the Fed hasn't been doing that for the last year anyway. And demand for the Treasury would drop. Uh... Did you hear me just tell you that Saudi Arabia is like, "Mm, I'm not really feeling the U.S. dollar anymore? Even the threat of default can cause borrowing costs to increase, according to the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. While the U.S. has never defaulted on its debt before, it did come close in 2011 when House Republicans refused to pass a debt ceiling increase, prompting rating agency standards and poor to downgrade the U.S. debt rating one notch. And in today's What the Heck Topsy-Turvy World Are We Living In segment, I found myself reading an article agreeing with my least favorite politician in office, Adam Schiff. A group of House Democrats introduced a constitutional amendment on Thursday to overturn a Supreme Court ruling that eliminated restrictions on corporate campaign spending. The Supreme Court's 2010 ruling in the Citizens United versus the FEC case 
prohibited the government from restricting political campaign spending by companies, nonprofit organizations, and unions. This amendment, if passed, would allow Congress and state governments to enact, quote, reasonable viewpoint neutral limitations on campaign funding, including restricting restricting corporations from spending unlimited amounts of money to influence elections. I don't care who introduces the legislation. If we force lobbying and special interest money out of political races, society will be all the better for it. Adam Schiff, who did introduce the amendment, said in a press release that it would, quote, close legal loopholes that corporations and other wealthy groups have exploited for far too long. Schiff has introduced an amendment to overturn the Citizens United ruling every year since 2013, according to the release. The flow of unrestricted corporate and dark money into our elections has dangerously eroded the American people's faith in our democracy and in our government's ability to deliver for them and their families, he said in a statement. Citizens United was one of the most egregious enablers of special interest money, but it was only the latest in a long line of Supreme Court cases that opened the floodgates. To truly rein in dark money, we must amend our Constitution, he added. I've always argued that when each citizen pays taxes, this is me speaking now, I've always argued that when each citizen pays taxes, $5 of that goes into a pot. It's divided into however many political parties are are running, and they have to make do with that money. And individual, and I literally mean actual individuals, not corporations who pretend they're individuals, can contribute um, their own personal money. If the politicians run out of money due to mismanaging their funds, good luck getting elected. We've introduced a constitutional amendment to overturn Citizens United and irresponsible SCOTUS decisions that came before it, Schiff said in a tweet announcing the amendment on Thursday. Unrestricted dark money has no place in our elections or our democracy. We need to return power to the people once and for all. The 2022 midterm election cycle was the most expensive in history, with outside donors spending more than $2 billion on federal midterm candidates. Um, That's according to Open Secrets. That link is in the article that is linked in the show description. That is your everything yesterday this morning. I hope you guys have a great Friday. We will be doing Liberty Happy Hour Spaces this evening at 10.15 Eastern Standard Time. Please feel free to tune in. I hope you guys take care. If not, I'll see you next week. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.